Gia on NV89. Hi. We sat down with Britt Daniel a couple of nights ago. Britt Daniel, of course, of Spoon on his tour bus. And I'm so happy to play this interview for you. But the first part before we even began was kind of fun. So we're going to pick it up mid-conversation when we're talking about Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. I feel like I piss off people with a lot less than that. Oh, no, 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 no. It was, it was huge. I mean, that's... That's pretty petty, you know? It was I mean, I, I, I get pissed off. People get pissed off at me for complaining about things that are much bigger than the wrong color town, town it, car. It was, you know, it was a charcoal gray Lincoln town car. Right. And his whole thing was Dave Mustaine of Make It Out shows up at black f-ing town cars. Right. And right. I was like, I, I hear you. I hear you. And he wasn't you. joking. I didn't. It wasn't tongue in cheek. No, it yeah. was it was bad. And then... um. Nick Rhodes from uh, Duran Duran asked me to help him find his car. So anyway, I, I which year I have this. Wait, what does Nick Nick Rhodes have to do with the with the Ronald feet? Nothing. It was just the kind of stuff that I would have to oh. deal with. with like, right. He helped helped you help him pick out a car. No, he misplaced. He called me and he said, "Gear," because all Englishmen end right. my name with an R. Gear, uh-huh. I seem to have misplaced my car. So Where do you think it is? Car. <laughs> Where do you think it might be? Where were you last when you saw it? So, right. anyway, my Capitol record stories. You did not sign with us, and I have uh, I felt guilty about that. Nor did Beck, by the way, because I was part of the Beck crew. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that was. You know when that was? Because I know. Ninety-seven. Yeah. yeah. Spring of ninety-seven. There you go. Yeah. Well. I remember that meeting. Yeah. I. Yet here we. Just I remember specific him. things about it. I don't re- recall meeting you, but. It, it was because I, I was um, perfectly nondescript, I imagine. <laughs> what I remember is there was a massive Sonic Youth beach towel on the wall that I was very impressed with. That makes sense. Yeah. That that kind of detail is the stuff I remember. I love that we're yeah. talking into our microphones as though this is part of the interview. And it wasn't I, I, well, I assume it. it's, well, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? You're <laughs> okay. right. You're let's right. make it, let's make it part of the interview. Okay. And there, uh, all right. So as, as it's part of the interview, hi, it's Gia DeSantis sitting here with Britt Daniel hey. of Spoon, hey. whom I met 20 something years ago. Years ago. Yeah. And somehow I, I've just carried guilt that it wasn't. That it didn't that go it, better. It was that my we didn't. Fault. Yeah, I yeah. don't think it was your fault. No. No, I don't think so. Well, if you don't remember me clearly, it was not my uh, fault. Yeah, it wasn't. It was not your fault. All right. Well, um, good. Maybe you met it. You know, start. there's all different kinds of ways of looking at it. Maybe for a couple moments, it might have been better to go that direction. But in the end, things worked out. They did work we out. We had to go through a, a, a deep uh, cavern first <laughs> before <laughs> before we got to the other side. But. Things were going to get worse before they got better, but they did get better. So they got so much better. And now, yeah. so as I'm sitting here, it's like, all right, I'm, you know, with Britt Daniel of Spoon, iconic band, iconic indie rock band, Spoon. It's never just iconic band, Spoon. It's not just you could spoon. say iconic band, Spoon, or iconic rock band, Spoon. But That's it, fine by me. At what point? So, what year did iconic become part of the vernacular? I didn't know it was, but uh, it's in everything. Oh, good, good. You're not reading. Then maybe. I'm not. I don't. No. I, I stopped doing that. And at what point do you go from being? Maybe like, that's the point. When you stop reading your own press, then you become iconic. There, <laughs> but there's so much good press, especially with, I mean, with you guys. There's never like okay. So there's one album where people are like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But mm. I mean, everything is so positive, and you are truly critics, darlings. <laughs> yeah, we. We do get a good, a few good reviews. You get a few, and, but you were robbed from the Grammy nomination in 2018. Just saying. Uh, elephant in the room. 
you have a a band change up, a bass player change up. Mm. So Rob Pope left. Rob Pope, yeah, he, he let us know last year. He okay, was, all right. He's gonna have to. But halfway through the tour, he let you know that. He... No, no, it was he did it very in a very civilized manner. He let us know once we were done with all of our shows for for Hot Thoughts. Got it. Uh, we had one more. We played this Beto O'Rourke uh, benefit right. uh, in October, and then right after that. There was nothing happening for the next six, nine months or more. Uh, and that's when he, he let us know. When, you know, and I I was very bummed, but it's hard to argue with a guy who's like, every time I leave, he has a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Right. He's like, every time I leave, it breaks my heart and they, it breaks their heart and they hate seeing dad leave. And I tried talking him out of it for a second and then I was just like, well, I can't argue with that. No. And, yeah. Not where kids are concerned. So why did I think that it was partially through the tour? Because something just came up and said. Oh well, we did. We did. So we didn't announce it until right before the tour started. Got it. And maybe we should have done that sooner. But you know how things have a way of not getting done until they absolutely need to be done. So right before we're about to go on tour, I was like, you know, we're gonna have a different guy on stage. Maybe we should uh, let people know. Yeah, and. We had asked Rob a long time ago, do you want to make some kind of statement? He said, yeah, and but we just never did it. And then finally, right before we got on tour, I asked him. He, he wrote that very nice It was very bit. nice. Yeah. yeah. And I have been offered ice cream sandwiches since then. So, and, and, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I actually consider it like, ah, oh, maybe I should bring him ice cream sandwiches. But it always I, makes me happy. I, this is all very last minute. So I'm just you know, I'm just glad to be here with you again I'm, and making it I'm glad to talk like to you. It all a little bit more memorable. Um, all right. So you spend obviously a fair amount of time on the road right now. And and there was a, an interview that I saw where it said you guys before it, when you go to rehearsal, you would dress up for rehearsal like you would dress to for go recording We're, for recording. For we used recording. to dress up. Yeah. Do you still? I mean, we, we probably dress up a bit for rehearsal, too. We don't want to. Uh, but there was this period where we did specifically, we had a producer who was a very sharp dressed, very handsome man and a uh, very handsome older man, a real gentleman. A gentleman of a certain age. He had a, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a certain, he had a real style to him and he would dress up. He'd come in, you know, wearing really nice slacks and button down shirt tucked in. And it just kind of got us feeling like, hey, we're here to do something professional. So we, I started doing that a little bit too. Did you find that it actually made a difference for you? Like, we, it's like when you, you know, people say, oh, we work from home. Don't be a schlub. Go in, like, dress <laughs> for the they, job you want. That Did makes you dress sense. for the job you wanted? I get, I mean, it just was a thing where, you know, you see photos of the Beatles recording and the Rolling Stones recording in the 60s, and there's all those engineers who are wearing lab coats, and they're right. all wearing these amazing suits with these right. little thin ties. And there's something about that that seemed uh, really charming and we liked sort of feeding into that vibe a little bit the lab coats not yeah, necessary not the, not so much more because you don't coats. have two inch tape to worry about and we did though back when when we're talking about right. yeah we were doing we, we we stayed on two inch tape for a long time i guess till they want my soul do you miss that do you feel like there's a richer sound to it because there are a lot of artists who have a thing like i will not use pro tools i think the sound has got has caught up like now it's it's pretty good it's hard to tell the difference if you have the right equipment Digitals can sound very good. The thing that I miss is just not being able to look at the audio go by, you know, and there's sort of a different mindset when you're only hearing it. You're never looking at it, you know. It's just kind of this thing that happens. And you, and when, when that happens, you're listening, you're experiencing the music more like 
people who buy the record will. But if you don't, you kind of get used to knowing what the, I don't know if you've ever looked at Pro Tools, but yeah, you yeah. can see where the audio is creeping up on here. You know this, something's gonna happen on that track, something's about to happen there. It just, it's a different, maybe it's it seems subtle, but it really does uh, mess with my head a little bit. When we're talking about analog and digital, and here we're talking about a best of album that right. you guys have, everything hits at once. Yeah. You when you were going through the records and listening was there some stuff that you thought oh this does this really needs to be remastered or anything like that or is it all pretty similar on the best of the records we do with dave fridman which are the last two do sound more compressed hotter much much more kind of modern loudness than the records before he's very much of that world he pushes things way into the red uh, and lots of times they sound distorted and he can't even tell will say you know, that that bit that vocal sounds distorted there he goes oh i i can't hear distortion so uh, that's the kind of guy we're working with uh but yeah th those ones sound a little hotter but it, i i think that the there's some charm and there being some varied sounds on the record and yeah. what about now like why now why a best of now what made you decide this was the time we put out a lot of records we've put out a lot of records and it has come up many times and i've sort of swatted it away this idea uh, then it started coming up again like about two albums ago and I was like, oh, maybe it's about time. And then after this last record, I started remembering, you know, what that these greatest hits records, they can they can be important to, you know, I didn't. Uh, my first Cure record I bought was uh, was a greatest hits it was standing on a beach. And um, there's a lot. There's a few bands like that. New Order. And for me, they were really important to how I discovered that band and how when that happened, it was sort of a jump start for me, because otherwise I might not have listened to. 17 seconds and faith and pornography had it not been for those right. you know but i got this sort of best of i got obsessed with the cure and then from there i went backwards and got all the records so when you do when you put out this record no bullet spent is a new song on right. the record so when i've always thought you know and, and we were talking early on like i've worked at record companies i've worked with bands pretty closely when you choose a song that is not one of the best of hits, right? A previous hit, like that's like it's a lot of pressure. Ballsy, on you're thinking this is worthy of being on there with everything else, and yeah. you know, think Christ, it's a great song. But what <laughs> makes you what? What is it about No Bullets Spent that it was the song that was worthy? Because clearly there were we recorded three before. songs because just because I knew you know what you're talking about. It's a lot of pressure for that song to stand up against with those other tunes. Uh, we recorded three, and that was the one that I thought, that sounds best at the end of this compilation. And here is some of No Bullets Spent from the new Best Of album. The master returns, there's always some kind of war. Accounting his steps, you know it's him at the door. You picture yourself. to to do that you know and there's something in 
the interviews with you and even going back to when you don't remember me. <sighs> what was me? Um, but you're you're an astute business person. I mean, at least you come across as an astute business person. Like you're able to rattle off what your most streamed songs are. Like you have a sense there to an outsider. There is a sense that you really know what is right for the band. That could be true. And and you're lucky because I actually do know your current manager and he's the best of the best. And it seems to me that it, is, it would be a great fit for you to kind of get what you want, really. Because yeah. he's, he's a stand back guy. Uh, he he uh, has done it for a long time and has done it at a, <laughs> with a lot of really uh, amazing artists. It's, uh, and a few insane ones. Even in the and probably some insane ones. <laughs> even in the 90s, you know, I would be looking at liner notes obsessively right. and every time I kept seeing this guy's name right you know Beck John Records. Silva yes yeah. Beck Records Beastie Boys Records uh, Nirvana Records you know whatever but uh, yeah he's he knows what he's doing he's amazing yeah. um, so you mentioned early on Beto and Mayor Pete wake up one day and there's Mayor Pete playing The Way We Got By mm-hmm. did you have any idea he was a huge fan no. if you met him no I haven't met him I had no idea that was coming it was cool it was a good it was a nice morning do you want to meet him? I'd like to meet him, yeah. I, I like him quite a bit. Um, I think there's a lot of good candidates. Here's a bit of Pete Buttigieg playing The Way We Get By. It's kind of a speedy version. Going back to The Way Back, what was the first instrument you picked up? Uh, I would kind of pluck, plunk around on the piano, but I never got good at it. And then I got a bass guitar first. And then I realized I couldn't really write songs on that. So then I got an acoustic guitar. Um, and Bee Gees. Still love Bee Gees. Please, I God, do. tell me yes. Thank I you. I do like a lot of Bee Gees songs. Yeah. Do you ever bust out a falsetto? I do. I turn my camera on falsetto. Yeah, falsetto is a good trick, you know. It always feels good. Um Unless you're me, in which case it's not gonna it's not gonna sound good. It's not gonna feel good. It won't even look good when it's happening. Um, so you've uh, you guys have been together for twenty five, twenty something 26, years, twenty seven yeah. something. You've been together Three, a lifetime for some people. Yeah. So with Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man out, are there things that have happened on tour or during your time where you thought, oh, that would be perfect for the Spoon biopic? <laughs> uh, it depends on what kind of rating are we going to put on this biopic? Oh, it's full on, like, it's NC-17. Yeah, okay. Then, yeah, there might be a few things. And you're I, smiling. So if there are some things that will happen, like, even just in my, you know, charmed life, where I'll think about something ridiculous I've done, and I'll be sitting there with absolutely no context whatsoever, and I'll bust out laughing because of the absurdity of it. Do you ever have that, when like, stuff with a band? Are there stories about that? Uh yeah, things that we that happen to us that are absurd. Yeah, I mean we played in a Whataburger once. Do you know what Whataburger is? Of course I know what Whataburger yeah, yeah. is. The Does venue you're playing tonight not much bigger than a Whataburger. <laughs> it's fifteen hundred. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. bad. But when I mean, you look at it, it's almost like a club show. And the first time I saw you, it is tiny a club, club show for sure. Yeah, I mean it is. Like how lucky are we here in Reno? And we'll you know, and we're we've been looking forward to it too because on this tour we're playing amphitheaters and right. there's something cool about playing to that many people but the and I was just saying this to Arrow from Starcrawler just when I saw her just a second ago that you know it it feels good in a in a club it's going to feel good tonight 
I'm super happy. Um, anything, any plan like for a, a solo gig or a, a Divine Fits record? I don't have any plans right now. Could happen. And I, if you did something, if you did a solo project, is that the kind of thing that gets other band members undies in a bunch ever? Or I, I never, I've done, I've never done a solo thing, but I did go off and pl- start another band, Divine Fits, and right. uh, I do solo shows every now and then. I don't think that upsets anybody, but yeah, it's, um, I think everybody got it. Like we, that was right after our record transference, which was um, uh, like it was a little harder we weren't getting along as well on that record started out good. And the more we toured it, the more we kind of got grumpy. So I think everybody got it. It was good to have right. a break. And when we got back together and, uh, three years later, um, it felt better than ever, honestly. And as far as a new spoon record, some things we're working on it now. Yeah. Right, we've, we've, we've started maybe five songs and, uh, if it weren't for this tour, we'd be working on it right now. I like how I said, all right, good. Like you somehow had to satisfy me. Good, good boy. You did it. Yeah. Um, Britt, Daniel, thank you so much for thank hanging you. out with us here at NV89. And Well, it's my pleasure. Good to see you again. It's good to see you again. Yeah.